0: last week by asking this question, am I drifting in my life? And a number of you had, you know, mentioned to me afterwards and throughout this week of how that's just brought some of those, you know, Holy Spirit's brought some of those areas into your, uh, into your, uh, remembrance of some of the areas where, you know, you, you were better off in certain areas of your life before. You know, you've paid more attention to your marriage, to your faith life, different things before. So today I want to I start with a story of um, a girl named Tasha Brown. As I've been researching all these different uh, stories of people who have gone adrift in the ocean, uh, this one was uh, striking. Um, June 30th of 2013, Tasha Brown is from B.C. She was age 20 at the time. She was in Honduras on a place called Utila, uh, which is an island off of Honduras, and there's another island nearby called Roatan. And so she was there doing some scuba diving and then decided, you know, that they would go from Utila to Roatan and back on a, just a, a one-day trip. It was only about 30 kilometers away. And so two Americans and six Hondurans got in a boat and decided to head out for Roatan. Well, they, they didn't get very far before they got hung up on the, on the reef. There's incredible snorkeling reefs in that area. And they got, they got their boat hung up on the reef. And so the, um, the, the Honduran authorities came out. And we were able to help them dislodge their boat, which kind of took some of their time, but they they continued on and they still went on to uh, Roatan. Uh, And then as they were on their way leaving, it had been so delayed that they ended up leaving later than in the day than they had planned. And as they were, you know, partway between both islands, they could see, you know, both islands, they ran out of fuel. And so them, uh, with, the, with the whole group, uh, not, no one had uh, decided to take a look to see if they had actually enough fuel to get back. And so they could see the islands, and they realized it was night. They didn't know how they were going to alert anybody. So they just said, we're just going to sleep this one off. And, you know, we wake up in the morning, somebody will be looking for us, and we can at least see the islands. So they did go to sleep that night. They woke up to find themselves in water surrounded by nothing but water. And they realized that they had drifted to a place that none of them had any idea where they were. And so then they began to take stock of what they had. And Tasha tells the, the, tells the uh, papers in her story later. She says, we had no water. We had no radio. We had no flare guns. We had no paddles, no nothing. They didn't have an emergency beacon or even an anchor on their boat. They didn't have no plans that they would find themselves adrift at sea. This story, they spent four days adrift surviving on rainwater. Luckily, they had a a storm down there and and a seabird that they had caught. And as they were there, they wondered, you know, somebody's going to see us. Well, large cargo ships would go right on by and and wouldn't notice them. And and, uh, so they decided they would try different things. She would jump in the water and try and pull the boat towards safety by swimming, but nothing seemed to work. Then on day four, she says, we began to pray. And they were found that same day by a plane 100 kilometers away from the shores of uh, Honduras. And Tasha's mom tells the, tell, told the, the, the papers later that God was the reason that they were found. We had so many people praying all over the world for these kids, and God is amazing. As I think about this story, last week we challenged you to, to ask your quest, the, the question, am I drifting in areas of my life? Some of you had some great conversations with your spouse about that. Others of you began to take a look at your bank accounts. Some of you just sat down and had that hard conversation, God, where, where are we at, Really? Today, you know, if you find yourself adrift, the second part of this is, what do I do? If I realize that I'm adrift, what do, I, what do I do about that? And so that's a question we want to try and answer today. Because many times when people find out that they're adrift, they look at their marriage and they realize, man, we, we, we're like, we've got nothing in common anymore. They don't know how or why they ended up in that place. They don't know why they're... Their finances have gotten out of whack. They don't know why. They just feel like they're purposeless in life. Or that, you know, I used to feel God talking to me, but it feels like so long ago. And I don't know how I got in this place. You know, with kids, you know, you ask kids sometimes, like the kids do crazy things. You know, like they put, I think every family has it where the kid has put something in another kid's hair that's just really difficult to get out. You know, they put gum in their, in their sibling's hair. And you ask, I don't know if you've ever had this question. Maybe parents, you can like help me out. But you have that question, you ask your kids, Whatever the dumb thing was, you ask them, "Why did you do that?" And and what? Anybody know what the answer? I don't know. And and because, you know, those are the two answers. I don't know or because. And if they answer with because, every parent asks the next question: Because why? And what do they answer? (laughs) I don't know. Just because. And that's the same thing. It's like this idea of we drift just cuz. It's not like it, it's not like there was any plans for it. We just seem to drift. And so today I want to just look at some of the comparisons of reasons why boats go adrift and the same similar reasons why we go adrift and what we can learn from that. One of the reasons boats go adrift is they don't the person driving is not paying enough attention. Or the the second thought is that they don't have an anchor on board, and so they drift. Or they ignore warnings, and so they drift. Or they run out of fuel, like we see with Tasha's story, and they go adrift. When people go adrift, the word adrift, it means without purpose or guidance. They're lost and confused. And people go adrift for many of the same reasons that boats go adrift. For one, it takes zero effort. We looked at this last week. It takes zero effort to go adrift. But it takes effort to get back to where you wanted to be and get back on track. And for some, you think, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe that works with marriage and work and finances. But I don't know about that works spiritually, you know. I shouldn't have to do anything. Jesus is the one who did everything. Isn't that in the Bible? Let me ask you this thought for a second. How much effort did it take you to fall in love with, that, with your spouse? How much effort did it actually take you? I'm going to really try and fall in love with this person. If it did, you're probably not with them anymore. Right? It didn't take any effort. It was just like, whoa, all of a sudden, I don't know, something's overcome me, you know? I just want to be with that person all the time, and, and you just fall in love. No effort. How many of you know it takes effort to stay in love with that person? No nudging, but yes. You know, <laughs> getting into debt, it didn't take any effort. It was easy, and it was fun. Oh, I bought that, bought that, bought that, and then you get into that spot where you look at your, your bank statement, you're like, oh, how do I get out of here? And it takes effort. You know, when you bought that house or that car, it didn't take any effort at all. You picked up a pen, you signed the line at Haldeman Motors, and you went out with a brand new, sort of semi-new, new to you, minivan as you drove out. You're like, that was easy. And then there's maintenance. And then there's, you know, what, their house, you're like, oh, it was simple. I just signed the line. I, was, I, I bought a house. And then you got to mow the lawn, and you got to vacuum weekly, I hear. And then you gotta, you gotta, there's dishes that have to be done. And there's all this stuff, you're like, it takes effort. It takes effort. Some of you put in more than I do. All right. But this, this, this thought, you know, with salvation, with Jesus giving us a second shot at life didn't take any effort on our parts. He knew we couldn't do it. He said, even if you try, you can't put enough effort in to earn salvation. So I'm just going to do it for you. And that's the m- miracle of, of what Jesus did on the cross for us. There was no effort on our part. You know, it's, it's what he sa- says in Ephesians, for by grace, you've been saved through faith. It's not any work of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. And then then there's this this flip side to that too, where becoming a follower of Christ took no effort. Living a life with Christ takes effort. You know, Paul said to the Philippians, he says, you know, I want you guys to work out your salvation. Well, I didn't think we had to do any work, Jesus did it all. That was to get you in. Now it's going to take some effort as you live this life out. You know, he said, you know, you're all in a race. Run like you're going to win. Don't just like, oh, I'm just going to go through. All right, sweet. And if I get there, I get there. He's like, nobody cares about who just got to the end of the race. He's like, run like crazy. Discipline yourself so that you win the race. He's like, for the boxers, you know, you're fighting. He's like, I don't fight like somebody's just punching the air. He's like, I've trained to make sure that when I'm in spiritual warfare, those punches are landing because it matters. And so the thing I want to challenge you with today is that it's going to require effort if you find yourself adrift to get out of that spot. Um, For some, you know, it's like, okay, it requires effort, but I don't know what to do. And not knowing what to do feels like, you know, you're up a creek without a paddle. That's where this comes from today, that you are just like, I have, sure, Mark, thanks a lot. I got to do something to get out of this spot that I'm in to help get my marriage back on track. But I don't know what to do. So we want to equip you with some paddles today. If you find yourself adrift at sea, the U.S. Coast Guard gives the following advice. If you're drifting towards danger, they say these these three things. Number one, put on a life vest first. Remember that word, first. Put on the life vest first. You don't know what's going to happen. Second, lower the anchor, even if you're in the middle of the ocean, because it's going to slow your progress towards um, drifting towards danger. And the last thing is yell for help. Yell for help. Don't just, don't just stay out there. And the Bible gives us a number of things that are incredibly similar to that. So here we go. Paddle number one, And it, it's this kind of paddle, not the kind you got when you were a child. So from your parents, right? So it's, it's not that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's to equip and encourage. Now uh, number one: pay most attention to the things that matter most. If you find that you've drifted in any, of your, any area of your life, pay most attention to the things that matter most. The U.S. Coast Guard had said that most accidents, boating accidents, especially boats that run aground, most of those accidents happen on calm, clear days. You'd think it'd be the opposite. You'd think it'd be in a storm. Did you realize that most marriages drift when everything's going well? Do you realize that most people get financially out of whack when they think everything's going well? Do you realize most people find themselves kind of without purpose because everything's just going so well, I don't have to really try anymore? And most relationships with Christ drift when things, aren't go- when things are going really well. When things aren't going well, that's when you see everybody praying like crazy. But it's when it's good that we tend to drift. And he's, so the idea today is to pay most attention to the things that matter most. Hebrews chapter 2, the writer of Hebrews wrote to them and said, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard, to the truth of what we've heard, to this message of, of faith. Pay close attention so that we don't drift away. That pay close attention is actually a nautical term. When they explained it to them back then, it was this idea of bringing a ship into land. Pay the most attention when you're bringing the boat to land because that's where the the most dangerous things can happen. And so I, I looked up some stuff and I found something, you know, a way not to do it. So when they say pay close attention, so that stuff like this doesn't happen. Watch the cooler. Oh, I know. You don't want to be that in your life. You know, this is, we could watch that all day, I'm sure. But it's this idea of pay most attention to the things that matter most so that those things don't go badly. So the question this morning is, what do you value the most in your life? And it's not just a question I'm saying. I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to make a mental list of the top three things that you value in your life the most. What is really most important to you? If you've kind of grown up around church, you're like, okay, God, you're most important to me. Then my marriage, my wife, then my kids, and then whatever. Put that list in your mind for a second. What is that order If you say, yes, these are the things that are most important in my life? Because he's saying to pay most attention to the things that matter most. Last week, we saw in this point that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. It's not just a cool quote. It's, it's that thought. How do I keep the most important things in my life really the most important things? Jesus gave us an idea of, of what to do as his followers. And he said to them, you know, the idea of putting on the life jacket first. He said, I'll tell you what you should be first doing. He said to the Ephesian church, go back to what you did at first. Love me and love others. He said to his disciples back then, the same as today. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek, what's that mean, the kingdom of God? Seek God's way of doing things first before you decide how you're going to do life. What does he say about how we do life? And he says, seek that first. The truth is, you cannot prioritize everyone and everything in your life. You can't. You can't put everything and every person in the top priority of your life. You don't have enough time for that. You don't have enough time to have 30 BFFs. You don't. You, you, you could probably be good friends with about five people. You can't be friends with all, good friends with all kinds. So what do you prioritize? Marriage? How did your list go? Was it your, was it your finances? Was it your work? Was it your friends? Was it your faith? Was it your relationship with Christ? What did you put in, in your head? As that's number one on my list. This is, this is really the most important thing in my life. It's the most important thing to me. Now my question is, what do you value really? Like, well, I just told you. And maybe you're like, oh, I'm not sure now maybe what I value really. Here's my second question. It'll help you figure it out. What do you spend the most time on? Now, not all of our time is our own. If you have a job, you have to work. I know some of you think this is the only time I work, but this hour is not my own. You know, but for you, you've got this time that's not your own. You're working. But what about the time that you have that's your own? What is that time spent on Really? Because that's actually telling you what's really most important or what you actually um, are, are claiming to value most. Our most valuable currency is time. You know, they say time's money, but it's actually the time that's uh, uh, what's valuable. There, you can make more money. You can't make more time. We each have a limited amount of it. So are you intentionally spending your time on what actually matters most? Does, does your time list add up to what your priority list was? Um, yesterday... Uh, it's a crazy thing. I woke up with, uh, yesterday morning. We're hanging out to spend some time with the kids. And, and I went, went outside and I, we found this um, tulip bulb. I thought I planted all like 300 of them, but there was one that didn't make it in the ground. And so it was sitting there beside the garden and it had sprouted. And I thought, Oh, this is cool. I'm going to bring this one in and see if I can grow it early. So I brought it in. I put it in a yogurt container. got some soil. And in our house, we don't have too many windows that face the sun during the day. It's just, I don't know. It's where we live. But there's these little spots of sunlight that kind of like these little, these beams. And so I was moving the plant around in the morning just so it would be in the sun. You know, it was on the counter for a while, then the island, then the table. And as I sat down beside Link, I just put it beside him. He says, Dad, do you love your plants more than you love your children? I'm like, what kind of question is that, right? Like So I didn't I was like, before I answer that, I want to know where's that coming from? So I'm like, that's I like, what do you mean, Link? He's like, well, you spend more time with your plants than you do with your kids. And I'm like He can read, but I don't think he read my sermon. Like, how is this? How does he know this that I'm talking about that tonight? And and, and it was like I realized it it doesn't. it's, It's something we all know. No matter what age, we know that that our value and time are tied to one another. And I was like, "See you later, planty. We're going to play Legos." And realizing that I want for for my children to realize that they are more important than a plant in my life. But what are they? What are the things that take away? So I want to challenge you that with, with prioritizing things is you're going to have to deal with your distractions, even if they're good ones. Distractions are anything that takes your focus off of your priorities. Distractions are anything that takes away from that list. of you said, these are the things that I, I want to be most important, what's taken away from that? You know, if, if you say marriage is important on my list, how much overtime are you working? Because it'll affect that list of priorities. If you're always on your phone at home, it's going to affect that. If, you know, guys night out, you know, is like every night, it's going to affect your priorities. Maybe it's parenting. If it's parenting, one thing I realized, I can't, I, I didn't have time to be a good golfer, play hockey every weekend, and, and uh, still um, be a good dad. I couldn't, you know, play Xbox all the time and still have time to be a good dad. The other thought is this, your relationship with Christ, if it's up on this list of priorities, it's going to have trouble if you spend hours watching television or Netflix or on Facebook all the time. It's going to have difficulty. When you've got time, where does the time go? When you, when you have that, that, that moment to choose, this is what I can do with my time, what's the first thing you run to? Because I'm telling you, that's actually what you're prioritizing in your life. And sometimes we need to make sacrifices in order for us to, uh, to, to, to see those priorities actually become what we, we desire them to be. And if we don't make sacrifices for our priorities, guess what? Our priorities become the sacrifice. You lose out. You don't have any extra time. Distractions destroy action. If it's not moving you towards your purpose, leave it alone. How many things have we added to our lives at the expense of what we really value most? Will you pay more attention to what really matters most? Will you take that paddle or will you just continue To drift. That choice is yours. Second, paddle is this. Stay anchored to purpose. You know, after you do what's first, it's the second thought of throw out the anchor. Proverbs 29, verse 18 says this where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. So I want to focus on that first part. That idea is where there's no divine guidance, where there's no communication with you and the Lord, where there's no Him revealing His word, or where there's no purpose. People cast off restraint. Restraint, it's like that, that it, it keeps you from drifting. The anchor on a boat keeps the boat from drifting to where it doesn't want to go. And it's the same idea of putting restraint on our own lives that keep us from drifting. This verse actually is, it's, maybe you've heard it differently, where there's no revelation, the people perish. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Why that word perish is that it's that same idea uh, as this, where you can drift into danger and potentially to death. People disconnect from the anchor all the time. They disconnect from purpose in their life. And it's like, I just, I'm just kind of living. found this picture in the story of a guy who uh, forgot to anchor his boat one night. And he found it on this beach the next day. And, and uh, it had obviously gone pretty far up onto the beach. And the sand had uh, filled in some of the areas. And so him and some of the locals were trying to get the boat off the beach and weren't able to. They spent seven weeks trying to get it off. And in the end, it was a total loss. The whole boat was destroyed all because of one night forgetting to drop anchor. Our young people, you know, we so challenge our youth to find out purpose, the God-given purpose for their lives when they're young. Because if youth have no purpose, no vision, no real reason of, this is why I'm alive, they just throw off restraint. And you know teens like that. It's like they just live their life willy-nilly. They do whatever with whoever uh, and whoever, right? It's like, it's like there's just no thought of concept of where their life is heading because they've, they've, they've tossed the anchor uh, without t- uh, tying it to the boat, and they find themselves adrift. Marriage is the same way. Finance is life, relationship with Christ. The nation of Israel, as you read through the Bible in the Old Testament, you see that they're famous for this drifting and then coming back to God, and then drifting and coming back to God. In Second Chronicles, there's a story of Jotham, and as I read it this week, it just says this one line jumped out at me. It said, "Jotham became mighty because he prepared his way. He prepared his way before the Lord is God." That really simply meant, uh, in those words, that he harnessed his life to obedience to God. Intentional. He was intentional about saying, "I'm going to harness my life to to obedience to God." And because of that, he became mighty. You're like, "Well, that's cool for Jotham. What about today? This week? I was so challenged at our small group. We we're at our small group, and we're not supposed to say anything that happens in small group. My small group leader's here." And, you know, that's the rules. But I asked Ruben for permission. Uh, And so uh, he had mentioned at small group this week, um, he said, you know, at my jobs, he says, I have like this preventative maintenance schedule that I have for every single machine at work. He said, I put time into making sure I would know when to check each machine so that they would run smoothly. He says, things are just so much better. But he says, as I realize that every machine that I'm working around has this maintenance schedule, he thought, I should have one of those for my life. That was this thought, I should have one of those for the things that matter most in my life. And it's genius. It's like, how many of these things do we prioritize but we never check up on? We value our marriage, but we don't actually take time to take a look at where it's at. If we've drifted, we, we're like, we value our kids, but we don't take a chance to see, you know, how is it actually going with us and our kids? We're just kind of cruising through life. How often do we look at this relationship that we have with God? And It's incredible. You know, that thought of saying, you know what, I'm going to throw the anchor out. I'm going I'm to live my life on purpose, my marriage on purpose, my parenting on purpose, my relationship with Christ on purpose. And that verse ends by saying, happy is the man. And we did a whole series on happiness. But happy is the man who keeps his instructions. He's not going to find himself adrift if he's anchored to that. So number three, don't ignore the warning signs. We were at a resort a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we borrowed a kayak, and it was free to borrow the kayak, but when you sign it out, they point you to this sign and it says, the sign says this, if you capsize, lose your paddle or drift too far out, $25 American. I'm like, that's like $60 Canadian. I definitely, I definitely don't want to have this happen in my, you know, in my life. And so most of you are like really hoping that I took the kayak out and I did one of these crazy things. This time I actually listened. I actually o- obeyed the signs and I, I got back safely. But this thought was, you know what, there's these signs in our life that, that are, are there warning us that you're about to drift or if you go adrift it's going to cost you knowingly going against um, our conscience it's going to cost us and paul he wrote about this thought to timothy and young timothy he said to them timothy cling to your faith in christ cling to that anchor your life to that and keep your conscience clear We're not going to talk about this too much today, because I'm going to spend more time on it in the future, but keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their conscience, conscience, and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. And he gives the names of Hymenaeus and Alexander, who are two examples of that, gone shipwrecked. Why? Because they went against their conscience. Robin DeBoer wrote an amazing book called The Amazing Sea on Science. says conscience. Uh, I think you can buy it on Amazon, or you can buy it straight from her. Great, great book just about this idea of, of the conscience, that voice on the inside. Do you know that that Holy Spirit has put signs on the inside? As you're going through life, it's like you recognize those things. You're like, you know, ah, Today, you might even be hearing it. You might be thinking about your marriage. You might be thinking about things in your life. I would encourage you, don't ignore the warning signs and continue to drift just hoping it's not true. Fourth one is this. Stay fueled up. If you find yourself adrift, stay fueled up. Tasha's crew ran out of fuel and it almost cost them their lives. It could have. And Satan, you know, and, and we see the story of Jesus in the wilderness. Satan tried to tempt Jesus to obey his stomach rather than to obey the spirit. And it was this idea of saying, Jesus, we know you're hungry, so just just take the shortcut and make some bread. You, you know you can. And Jesus said something so profound, which is, is not just, wasn't, wasn't for the enemy, as, as, uh, for Satan, as much as it was for us. Jesus told him, verse 4 in Matthew 4, he says, No, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He was saying, people, you know, we're alive here today because we ate something in the last month. All of you have eaten something in the last month to to be able to be alive. We know that's how we live. But he said, there's something deeper than that. You really live the way your life really runs. It really runs on words from him. You can't spiritually, that real you, can't live without time in his word. Jesus said to his disciples all the time, remain in my word. And let my word remain in you. You need to stay fueled up in, in order for you not to drift from your faith. You know, you're like, well, maybe I'm not, I, I, have, I don't know, man. I don't understand the Bible when I read it myself. Maybe I can't read. There's an app for that. So here, if you it, jot this one down, Bible.is, you know, it's this idea of read. You can read, it'll help you spend time every day reading. If you can't read, it'll read it to you. And so you can just listen, allow the word of God to come into your heart and and, and fuel up that person on the, the inner man. And if you can't do that, they even have movies. You can just watch them and be like, this is and, and feeding, fueling up your spirit. So many say, I just don't have time for that. Jesus is saying, you don't have time not to. And our priorities are so tied to our time. You'll drift dangerously without fueling up your faith life. And what about your marriage? Your marriage can't survive without fuel. When's the last time you just planned a date to go out, just the two of you? When's the last time you sat down and took a course and just said, hey, let's, let's learn about our marriage. We take our cars in for maintenance all the time. When's the last time you actually read a book about, about marriage and growing in your marriage? There's an amazing book out by Francis Chan and his wife um, called You and Me Forever. If you need an idea, grab that book and just read through it. It's so challenging to live your marriage on purpose. Oh, that takes effort. The choice is this. Will you choose to keep on fueling what matters most? What you said matters most. Will you keep on fueling that or will you just choose to keep on drifting? And the last one here probably should have been the first one, but it's this. Tell someone. If you find yourself adrift, tell someone. If you're adrift in any area of your life, whether any of the things we've mentioned or others, you just feel on the inside, you're like, yeah, I feel like I'm just lost in that area of my life. Just confused. I'm not. I'm not sure. I want to encourage you. You know, uh, to not be too proud to ask for help. Sometimes we got to let go of our pride so that we can reach up and reach out to to someone else for help. So my challenge this this morning is tell someone you trust, not just tell anyone. You know, last night, we, I was so proud. We had one young girl here last night. As, as the mic went around, she said, you know, this is really difficult for me. I just had a baby. And she says, I'm really struggling with depression. I normally wouldn't say this, but I, I really need some help. I need some people to, around me to, to kind of walk with me through this. And, and, and just kind of at that point, the tears kicked in. She handed the mic out, and I was like, you know what? I'm so proud of her for realizing I'm I'm drifting in this area of my life and I can't do this alone, reaching out to tell someone. Reach out and tell someone that you trust because not everyone's going to be for you when you decide you don't want to drift anymore. Not everybody's going to be there. Yeah, yeah, good job. Way to go, man. It's like the lazy river at Great Wolf Lodge. You know, when you're in the lazy river, it's fun, but it's even more fun when you try and go the opposite way. You know, as you go the opposite way, n- not everybody's happy about that. I don't know if you've ever tried. All the other people in the river give you those angry looks because this is the way we go. We drift, and that's our culture. We just drift. You know, what do you, who do you think you are trying to go the opposite way? And then all the referees are all around the side with the whistles and the little red things, you know those guys? The lifeguards are not lifeguards. They don't save anybody in the lazy river. They just power tripping, right? And they blow the whistle. You, go the other way! Uh, that is, that is the thing that, you know, you're going to have people in your life that all of a sudden you're like, you like, you, you decide today maybe, you know what, from, from now on, I'm, I'm deciding that I'm not going to allow these areas of my life to drift. And you say things like this, you know, sorry fellas, I can't hang out Wednesday night because I'm going to go to small group. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm valuing my relationship with Christ more than just, you know, whatever else we do on Wednesday nights. I'm, go- I'm going there. And they'll be like, what? You know, and and, and second thought, you know, I I can't be there Friday night either. You know, know, we hang out Friday nights. I can't, you know what, because I'm going to spend Friday night with my family from now on. That's going to be the night that we just spend time together. And they'll be like, oh, man, you're such a loser. Well, on that thought, I can't be there Saturday night either because I'm at Kingsway. Or Sunday morning because I'm going to be here or whatever it is. Or, you know, during the day, you know, I can't play hockey with you guys anymore because I'm going to go play mini sticks with my son. And they may not be cheering you on. But that's, that's all right. You get to decide what matters. Would you be willing to tell someone, maybe it's your small group, a counselor, close friend, to say, I need some help, I'm drifting? And the last thought is this would you tell the someone who really matters? Would you, would you, would you if you realize that you're adrift drift, to say, I'm gonna tell God? Do you realize in every single account of every person I've talked to about drifting and all the stories that I've read about it, they all do the same thing. The girl that I met in Dominican, the, who's, who lost their boat in a, in a, in a, in a uh, storm, the ones who, you know, read all the stories, they all do one thing. They all pray. Even if they don't believe in God, they all pray. It's the first thing we should do. It's this idea of prayer is not like, oh, God, you know, get me out of this. Or, you know... Dear Heavenly Father, somewhere out there, a million gazillion miles away, if you can hear me, 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 I'm here. Or, you know, maybe you do the signs, whatever you think. Prayer is simply just communicating, opening the conversation with God. He says this in James chapter 1, our last verse today. He says, if you need wisdom... If you need wisdom, and this, this whole idea James is saying, hey, if you find yourself in trials and you find yourself in a rough spot, adrift, he says, if you need wisdom about that situation, ask our generous God. He'll give it to you. He'll not rebuke you for asking. Do you see it says, if you need wisdom, he says, ask God. He doesn't say ask God for a bailout. You know, oh God, I made all these dumb decisions. I found myself. I'm so far adrift. My marriage is all the way over here. I'm almost over the edge. Can you fix it? He's going to be like, yep, here's a paddle. And begin to paddle your way back and realizing, no, i got to fuel up that thing. i got to prioritize that thing. i got to do all these things. He says, you need wisdom and how to do it? Ask him. He'll give it to you. And the next verse, it says this. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in him alone. Don't waver for a person with divided loyalty. That means dual purpose. Okay, God, I want what you want. No, I want what I want. Oh, I mean, no, God, I want what you want. No, I want what I want. He's like, if you're like that, you're not going to get what you're looking for. He says, just trust his ways, his wisdom. He says, that person who's divided, they're like unsettled as a wave of the sea that's blown to and fro from the wind. He says, that person, their life is just adrift because because they don't reach out. So my challenge for this morning is to take these things and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, maybe I'm adrift in these areas, but I don't want to be there anymore. And, And will you choose to tell God and tell someone Maybe join a small group just so you have a place to tell people who will listen because they have to. Or will you continue to drift in silence? And you're like, Mark, it's difficult to tell people what's really going on. But the consequences of not telling is worse. What's amazing to me is this. Amazing to me is that anybody who finds himself on a boat adrift scream like crazy for help. But how rare is it that when people are in a marriage that's adrift that they'll cry out for help. It's like, we got all stuff together. We got it together until they drift almost beyond repair. How many of their finances, people who are financially in trouble, they don't want to reach out for any kind of help. No, everybody else got it going on. Well, we're fine. We're fine. We'll, we'll make it. And you're drowning in debt. How many people whose life It's like, they just feel like, I just feel like I don't have any purpose anymore. Do you realize that the statistics of people, that there's many people in this room based on that that are struggling with depression right now, that don't understand why they're even here, don't have a purpose for life. They they have suicidal thoughts and they struggle in silence. Please, if you find yourself adrift... Call out to someone. For those drifting from Christ, just reach out and say, Man, I need somebody in my life who's going to help encourage me. Can we do Bible study together? Can we do something together? Because I don't want to drift anymore. So, in closing, let's wrap it up. It's going to take some effort to do something to stop drifting. So, the question this morning is this Will you consider the most important things in your life, that list that you said, these are the most important things, would you consider those most important things to be worth the effort it's going to take to not drift in those areas? Would you consider those most important things to actually be important enough to be worth the effort not to drift? And you know what's amazing? It's amazing what happens when you just grab onto one of those paddles that you realize you're not doing it all in your own strength. It's like God just comes in behind that. It's like, yeah, I'm going to help you. You paddle and I'll kick on the motor in the back. But he's waiting for you. Will you grab the paddle and do something with it today, or will you just continue to allow yourself to drift, hoping that it's not really as dangerous as as it's been said, or hoping that it's not going to lead to a deadly future? What will you decide to do today? Let's pray. Father, thanks for your word. Thank you for the the life that it is, but also that it helps us to live our lives and shows us what's wrong in our lives, but also how to correct it. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live on the inside of us to make that personal individual for each and every one of us. Thanks for what you're doing in my life and <laughs> for never giving up on me and just helping, helping me to see what, uh, what really matters to you, but also what really matters to me, and I th- I'm thankful for that. Father, I pray for every person in this place as they go from here. May they still have that and continue to have that sense of your voice on the inside of them, that thing that just pricks their heart and conscience, letting them know uh, where, they, where they want to go and where you want them to go. Father, for those who are struggling and are in a dark place, I pray you give them the courage to reach out and tell somebody today. Uh, I pray that for for their good and uh, for your glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen.